Um, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, and uh, if you've got that little handout with you, that'll be helpful. But while uh, you, you kind of open that up, and I encourage you to have Mark chapter 4 open as well, just to see where we're going, let me just say a couple of things about the church camp, which is uh, coming up. I was chatting with the guy who's going to be giving the talks uh, during the week. He and his wife are coming up from Balmain in Sydney, and they're really excited uh, to be joining us. And I met together with, um, with Barb during the week and we were kind of going through the list of registration and you know what, there's more people coming to this camp than we've ever had come to this church. So that's, that's really exciting. I don't know where we're getting it from, you know. Jesus said go out to the highways and the byways and, uh, and invite people. But you haven't missed out. Um, if, you, if you want to grab one of these blue forms, we'd love you to come along. It will help if you can kind of give us, uh, give us a, a, an indication that you're able to come because... Over the next week, we want to be looking at the rooms and kind of allocating accommodation to different people. I know some people are going to bring up caravans and we're going to bring up a tent ourselves and, uh, and so on. So we'll, it'll be a great weekend. It'll be fully catered and I think it'll be a great opportunity just to get to know each other better. And if you're thinking, look, I'm not sure I'm up to coming because I don't know that many people well, well, it's the best way to get to know people well. So I'd encourage you to think about that, and I'm happy to chat to you if you've got um, questions or there are particular things that you might be concerned about and so on. Basically, we'll make it work. That's, uh, that's our pledge. And there's also been some people who've offered to help out financially too. So if you're thinking, look, I'm not sure we've got the cash at this point of time, somebody here will help. Um, not a problem. How about I pray, and then we'll have a look at Mark chapter 4 together. Heavenly Father, please uh, help us to have ears to hear Uh, We ask that as we read and listen to your word now, that we'll both understand it and trust it and that you'll encourage us uh, to live and uh, and speak and think and act as your people. Amen. Uh, Well, we're, we're continuing through Mark's gospel and you might remember that one of the big questions that we're asking as we go is, who is Jesus? Second big question is, what does he come to do? Third big question is, what does he want from me? Uh, So if you're reading it through on your own, uh, who is Jesus and what does he come to do and what does he want from you? They're they're three questions that will help you, I think, to get the most out of Mark. And what we're doing today as we look at chapter 4, it's like Jesus is going to be teaching some incredible things. And the topic of his teaching really has to do with communication. Uh, You can read again and again how you listen to this. If you've got ears, then listen carefully. Be careful how you listen. And communication, it's such a fundamental aspect of who we are. Uh, Fiona and I do quite a bit of um, pre-marriage uh, counselling with, uh, with engaged couples. There's, there's a hint for you, Bevan. And uh, we, we usually spend the bulk of our time talking about communication. You see, if you get communication right, then you can deal with all the other things. If you haven't got communication right, then you've got not much hope to work through the other issues. And communication is something that's very important when it comes to knowing how to respond to Jesus. Um, How we listen to Jesus and how we speak of the things of Jesus. He's going to talk about both these matters today. And uh, the way that he goes about speaking to us, firstly, is with these simple stories called parables. And uh, when I was growing up, I remember having parables described to me as uh, being an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Have any of you kind of heard that description? Uh, A few of the old people have, yeah. There might be a new way of describing them now. And I used to think that that was because 
Children need object lessons. You've got to have something kind of physical to think about that then makes sense of the concept that it's talking about. And I thought it was that sort of principle. Jesus tells us a story about agriculture, farming and stuff, and then we learn a heavenly principle, so he's making it easier for us. That was, of course, until I read it. Um, You you might have uh, flinched a little bit when you heard these words. I, I wonder, Gavin, when you were reading it, what you thought of these words. Because when he's talking about the point of the parables, um, have a look there from verse 11. He said, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. He's talking about the twelve and the others with him. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that... So here's the purpose of the parables. They may be ever seeing but never perceiving. Really? They may be ever hearing but never understanding. So Jesus isn't saying parables so that... Ah, that's what you're talking about. So everybody gets it. Jesus is speaking in parables, so it's kind of veiled. So it's hidden. So it's not easy to understand. And you think, okay, this must be a kind of a secret, secret kind of a backhand strategy to help people to understand the truth so that they might be forgiven. And then he says, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. You think, hang on a minute. Didn't Jesus come so that people could be forgiven? Surely Jesus would want to be understood by people. So why is he talking in parables? And what's, what's the agenda here? Well, you know, the amazing thing is that this parable is actually the interpretive key to understanding parables. So if you read on the next verse, verse 13, Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So if you want to understand what parable is about... This is the first one to look at. It's the parable of the sower and the seeds with the different soils. Because then what Jesus does from verse 14 onwards is he sits down with his followers and he says, this is what it means. So whether or not we get it at first reading, Jesus spells out what he's talking about. And that becomes the key to understanding all parables. There's a really important one that we've come to tonight. So if you want to understand Jesus' teaching, understand his parables, this is it. And what he does is he says, this is a parable about how you listen. How you listen. So I'm I'm not going to recap the parable. I'll recap the explanation of the parable and you'll get it as we go along. A number of responses. The first response in verse 15. Some people are like the seed sown along the path where this word, the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So the first thing to notice is that the seed is the word. Right? So when he's talking about a farmer throwing seed, he's talking about communicating the word. And he's saying, when that first lot of seed's tossed out onto the path um, and the birds come and they eat it, they take it away... It means, literally, that when people are hearing the word, Satan comes and takes away the word that's sown in them. Um, There's no real response. So people hear the word, the word of, of the gospel, the good news, the word about Jesus, the word from Jesus, and they don't respond. And and I imagine that there are dozens and dozens, hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands, and over history, millions and billions of people who are just like that. They've heard something about Jesus. They've heard something of the word of God. They just don't care. It's gone. It doesn't take root at all. That's the first response. That's obviously not a good one. Look at the next, verse 16. 
Others, he said, are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is sobering, this stuff, isn't it? One of the great joys of being a Christian now for a long, long time is seeing other people become Christians. Conversely, one of the incredible sadnesses is seeing people who seem to make a response to the good news of Jesus who have made a decision to become Christian who are no longer professing that trust in Jesus. Um, Maybe you know people like that. It's a sobering warning to us, I think, just to hear that, that that happens. And what he says is that there are people who've kind of been enthusiastic at first, that, you know, yes, this is great news, but other things happen to make it difficult. And maybe they thought it was going to be easy, and then it's not easy, and so they turn away. We don't know. There are lots of things. But it's trouble, it's persecution, it's strife, it's things that come as we put our trust in Jesus. And I've seen that firsthand. One of the sadnesses of of being involved in university ministry, particularly amongst people from mainland China and other countries overseas, is to see people who who sit and they look at the Bible and they come to understand this wonderful news about Jesus, they go home and it's just too hard. Mum, dad, grandparents, the neighbourhood, they are hostile to this person having made a decision about Jesus and they make it difficult for them. And, and they're unprepared for the opposition that comes. And it's just so much easier to retreat into themselves and think maybe that was a mistake. Jesus says this will be the response with some. Or read on a bit further. Verse 18. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but when the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, I think the soil that Jesus had in mind here is probably Australia. Um, Listen to the description. The deceitfulness of wealth, the worries of this life, um, the desire for other things. I wonder how many people have... They've kind of started the Christian life, it seems, well. I've heard, sadly, so many people say, oh, yeah, when I was young, I I got along to youth group. Yeah, when I was at university, I... I was part of the Christian group. I made a decision to follow Jesus. But it's no longer the case. Might be that they married somebody who wasn't a believer. Might be that the lure of their career just eventually sucked the the desire to serve God from them. Might be the pressures of life and paying a mortgage and, and, and struggles at work and climbing the corporate ladder. It might be the lure of travel um, but people find that, that one day, where they used to be at in terms of following Jesus, it's just not happening anymore. I, I worry when I see people who just seem to drift. I don't think that the Australian way is too often to make a decision for Jesus and then, and then wake up one day and say, it's all garbage. I've seen it happen twice in very, very powerful ways guy that I lived with who who was an incredible evangelist. He shared Jesus with so many people. Um, I know of around about 40 people that were converted in the context of this guy's ministry over a two-year period. And, uh, but other things happened in his life. Um, some sad things happened, some, 
some sad things for him and some sad things that he did. And, and I don't know what was going on in his head and his heart, but, but it came to the point where he no longer believed the things that he taught. In fact, very sadly, on an Easter weekend, there was a, a full double-page spread in a Tasmanian newspaper, speaking of my friend, who was a philosophy professor, saying why he no longer believed that the Christian faith was true. Now, most people are not like that. Most people, I think, just make dumb decision after dumb decision and gradually find that they're a long way from where they used to be. might be just the decision to to fill life with other things, to be more concerned with with comfort and security and happiness than than with the people of God. It, It might be that Church just kind of disappears off the agenda and we fill the time with travel or, or other activities, hobbies kind of taking over. Things that in and of themselves don't seem particularly bad. But you pile one on another, on another, on another and it just grows cold. There's a great little image that I've been told and I've probably shared it with you here at Salt but I think it captures it. And that is the idea of coals in a fire. You know how to make them glow and, and, and how to make them produce heat? Put them together. You know how to break up a fire so it goes cold? Separate out all the coals. And I wonder whether in God's amazing provision for us, he knows that if we don't have each other, if we isolate ourselves from one another, then we will grow cold. And the fire will die. Because he hasn't made us to be Robinson Crusoe Christians. He's made us for each other. To be part of a family. Well, the last response is the one that he calls for. And the one that he gives grace to enable. Others, verse 20, are like seed that's sown on good soil. And they hear the word and they accept it. And they produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. God is looking to produce fruit in our lives. It doesn't tell us what the fruit is, but it involves transformation. It involves change, change that God is bringing. So why does he speak in parables? Well, so that the truth might be veiled. How does the truth get unveiled? By following Jesus. You notice, Jesus spoke when he was alone with the twelve to his followers to explain what he was talking about. If we want to understand the message of Jesus, we don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Some incredibly sharp people in this world. Lawrence Krauss, astrophysicist. Um, Richard Dawkins, um, biologist. Stephen Hawking is no longer with us. Brain the size of a planet. Don't know God. No, it's not the size of our brain that matters. It's whether we're willing to follow Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, then Jesus makes these things known to us. You think, hang on, don't I have to follow him first and then he responds? Well, God is in the grace business calling us to follow, and as we do, revealing his purposes to us. 
Well, there's a lot there about listening. But I wonder if you notice something that's going on when Jesus tells this. That is, it's not just an abstract story. It's a story that every time engages the listener. Because when Jesus is telling these parables back then, people are making one of the four responses to him. And it goes further than that. Because as we continue to read this, and as I look to preach this, we are making one of the four responses to Jesus. Uh, This is not academic. This is going on right now. Uh, You're in the story. It's just a matter of where you are. And I pray that we are in the soil that is good, hearing the word and accepting it and producing a crop. Well, there's a lot here about listening, and I think it's important that we we listen well, but there's also um, some good stuff here about speaking. Uh, Look look at what he goes on to say. Um, the, the, The first thing here is, I think, the implication of people not always responding well to the good news of Jesus. That is, we need to have realistic expectations. Uh, If we think, for example, every time we share Jesus with somebody else, that person is going to fall on their knees, become a Christian and live following Jesus forever after, then we may end up being disappointed. I think Jesus is actually telling us Ministry is is going to be hard work. Sharing the gospel of Jesus is going to be a struggle. There's going to be disappointments and sadnesses. And as a parent, um, we know that. Uh, Our our kids go through decisions and choices and sometimes we we kind of rack our brains thinking, why are they doing that? Why, why why, Why wouldn't they choose a better path? Or we look around about each other in church and we think, Really? We need to accept the fact that people are going to make their own choices and to trust God with that, to have realistic expectations. But we also, I think, need to realise that the word of God that we hear and that we pass on to others can have a massive impact. Look at this little parable that Jesus tells down in verse... uh, I'll read from verse 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that all the birds can perch in its shade. It's very easy, I think, to become depressed and pessimistic about being Christian. I mean, what is there? 50 of us here? 40? Maybe 70 with the kids all together? I mean, there's 4,000 people in Bonnie Hills. It's 12,000 people when you add like Cadillac. There's 15,000 people into the North Haven. There's 20,000 in this kind of region. There's another 80,000 up in Port Macquarie. And 
there's 40 or 50 of us here. And there were more people at the football last night, weren't there? Doing something that's of no consequence, not even part of the season. Yeah, the Raiders. <laughs> you see, it's very, very easy to get depressed and think, you know, I, I talk to people, I pray for people, I go along to church, I'm not really having any impact. You know, there was a, there was a, a preacher who used to do kind of travelling missions in the United States and country uh, US. And he'd bring his kind of tent to the, the township and he'd speak night after night. And people would make responses or people would go home unimpressed. Some people would heckle and some people would sit politely. And uh, one time there was uh, uh, a young fella, late teens, his name was William. And he went along to hear that country preacher and he gave his life to the Lord Jesus. I reckon that country preacher might have been thinking, what am I doing? I'm just planting mustard seeds. You know, there's so many people out here that don't know Jesus and I'm not making much of a a scratch really uh, upon the surface. But they might not have known that William, who we know as Billy Graham, was going to go on and preach to more than a million people. And that's so often the way it works in God's scheme. Who would have thought that this motley bunch of ex-fishermen hanging around with Jesus, who were being taught about the kingdom of God, would grow to be somewhere between one and two billion people 2,000 years later? What starts as a mustard seed grows into the largest of garden plants with branches so big that the birds flock. We need to realise that what we do will always seem unimpressive. It's it's not the glitz and the glamour, it's not filling stadiums, it's it's not the wealth and prosperity, it's not the, the grand designs. No, it's the small things. Sharing that that humble word of God, which yet God chooses to use so powerfully is to grow seeds into plants that the birds can gather. Um, Let's remember that God chooses to use us with such a wonderful word. And come back to verse 21, because there's this different parable in there, which I, I think we might finish with. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, you put it on its stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Having talked about veiling the truth with parables, Jesus is now saying, hang on, there's a truth to be known. There's a word that people ought to be hearing. There's a light that is to shine. See, see, the purpose of a light is not to cover it up. Unless, of course, you're hiding from mum and dad under the covers while you're reading the book and you've been told to go to sleep. Um, no, the purpose of the light is to shine light and to make things known. And I take it there's another parable of the good news of Jesus. It's not to be kept hidden, covered up, ashamed. No, it's to be broadcast. It's to be proclaimed. It's to be evangeled. It's to be made known. It's a great message we've got, friends, and it's worth saying. 
Let me encourage you to say it. One of the things is, when we pray for opportunities, God gives them. But if you're like me, sometimes you don't take them. So let me share with you, one of us has taken up a great opportunity and one of us has failed. Let me share with you. Emily. She's not here, so I'll talk about her. Um, Emily's next-door neighbour said to her one day that she'd like to find out more about being a Christian and asked Emily to read the Bible with her. And I understand she's been doing that. Emily's next-door neighbour's partner uh, works in a motorcycle shop that I visit fairly frequently. And I was in there on Thursday and he said to me, my partner's looking at the Bible with Emily. And I thought, ah, that's good. I said, yeah, Emily's great, isn't she? What I should have said is, do you feel like you're missing out? Would you like to read the Bible with someone too? Now, I didn't think to do that. But when I told my son, he said, why didn't you say that, Dad? <laughs> um, we'll all muck it up. We'll all at times be afraid to speak up. But God gives opportunities. Let's pray that we'll take them. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've got such awesome news and that this is news that changes lives and we pray that you'll be changing our lives, that we will be the the seed and the soil that produce good fruit. Please help us not to be distracted and and plucked away by trouble and persecution or distracted by by seeking after wealth and comfort and and personal satisfaction. We, We ask rather that we'll see this good news for what it really is, hope for all eternity and news to be shared. And so make us brave. Uh, Give us grace to share the good news with those around us. Thank you that Emily is able to meet with this woman and read the Bible with her. Um, Pray that you give me opportunity with uh, her partner to do the same. And we pray for each of us here too, that, that you'll make us alert to the possibilities around us, even if it's just simply saying something about what we believe and why. And we ask this so that Jesus will be glorified and people's lives will be changed, not just for now, but for all eternity. Amen.